Hello, I'm Pastor Michael Shannon with Identity Church in Deltona, Florida. We're glad that you made a decision to watch the service today. Please stay tuned after the service for more information about Identity Church. Now let's go ahead and join the service already in progress. Well, good morning. I always get nervous before I do this just for the simple fact that you guys aren't wearing uniforms. And uh, if you were, I would feel a lot better. When I started ministry, I didn't need these, but I do now. But uh, let, let's just take a moment and, and pray. I, I just want to open this with, with prayer. Father God, Lord, we love you and we praise you. And Lord, you know why we came here this morning. We need you to speak to us. And Father God, I pray that I would decrease and you would increase. Let everything that's said here today be from the Holy Spirit. Lord, edify your word. Bless your people. Inspire us. Empower us. And help us to do the things that you've called us to do in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well, uh, as Anthony told you, I do prison ministry. I, uh, um, I didn't get in prison ministry by singing off-key in the church choir. Uh, I have a, a past and I see that Dr. Hines is going to be here. Well, I'm not a doctor. I was a street pharmacist at one time, but <laughs> not a doctor. So uh, um, I have a word for you today, and I, 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 as, as any believer uh, knows, the world's changing. Things are changing um, at, a, at a rapid speed. And uh, my burden is for the body of Christ. And my burden is... Um, are we actually where we're supposed to be? You know, Jesus said, you are the light of the world and you are the salt of the world. And if the salt loses its savor, what is it good for? And I not only do uh, prison ministry, but I do uh, uh, Bible studies in my house and, and, and marriage, eight, nine couples come over to our house and we, we do life groups at our church instead of Sunday school. And it never ceases to amaze me how far a believer can get from the things that they should be doing. And um, so, so this morning what I want to do is, and I know you probably all read the, the story of the prodigal son, but I want to I take a, a, a little portion of that and, and, and let's see where God goes with this. But um, I want to talk to you about, the, the, if you were to take notes, and I, I would really encourage you to do that because there's a lot of scripture in here. Um, if you have a pen and a paper, I, I, anyone that ever comes and speaks to you, if it's not out of the Word of God, it's junk. Amen. So if you, uh, if you have a, something to take notes with, I would. There's a lot of Scripture that I want you to go back and check, you know, and, and test every spirit to see if, it is a, if it's of God. I put the wrong thing down there. Um, and what I want to talk to you is about the believer's battle. If I were to title, I hate titling messages, but if I were to title this, it would be the believer's battle. Um, I, my, my wife wasn't able to come today. Uh, she's, we've, this last two years have been crazy. I mean, it's been crazy. Deaths and sicknesses and things I just didn't think would be happening are happening and, and, um, but my daughter and her husband came today, and and I, I remember when we were when we were brand new parents, and we we took our daughter when she was old enough. We took her to Sea World, and we went to Sea World. And if you've ever been there, this is the old Sea World, and there was this 
huge playground. And we turned her loose. And we went about our business. And, you know, good parents, we were semi-watching. But this little thing, when she was little, I mean, she, she was gone. And if you've ever lost a child, you know what that feels like. And it felt like an eternity, and it was probably five to seven minutes. And we finally found her, and, and I mean, my wife gave me the look because I was supposed to be watching. And, and, but when we finally found her, we rejoiced. But one of the things that, that I had to remember is that, that she was lost at a portion. We couldn't find her, and she was lost, but at no point was she not my daughter. At no point was she not my child. And, and when we look at the, the, the story, you'll see that, that, that they're talking about a son. And in the church and in the body of Christ, there are some people that are lost. Now, I'm not talking about lost, uh, saved, lost, saved, lost. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about believers that have, have ended up in the pig pen. And how did they get there? How does a believer end up in the pig pen? And, and I don't believe in saved loss, saved loss. I don't think there's any theology to, uh, to stand by that. So today's going to be like a lesson, theology lesson, and my heart. Um, and let me just read this to you real quick in Luke. It's in Luke chapter 15. I, I, this is going to be hard. I have everything marked out. That falls off, I'm in trouble. But let's, let's listen to this. Beginning in Luke 15, beginning at verse 11. Then, there's, then, then Jesus, he's telling a story, one of three. He says, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. He divided them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions on prodigal living. Now, the word prodigal, you probably don't use in, in regular day, daily activities. In fact, the only time I've ever used the word prodigal is when I'm talking about this story. So if I want to understand, listen, if I want to understand the Word of God, I better put on my big boy pants and dive in. So I went in and I started looking. I want to understand what the word prodigal is. If I don't use it all the time, what does it mean? What is Jesus actually telling us? So I looked it up and I looked it up. And in the Greek, the, 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 the word prodigal means dissolutely. And that, that made it as clear as mud for me. So I looked up dissolutely and it, it got into this weird verb and this, that dissolutely is the, the, the way that the person who is dissolute is acting. So I kept looking. And I got to Webster's. Listen to what Webster says. I'm gonna. Webster's says that prodigal is a person, a person lacking restraint, marked by indulgence in things such as drink or promiscuous sex. Now, let's be honest with each other. There's probably an area in every one of our lives where we could be prodigal, where we could lack restraint. Amen? Amen. I mean, I, I live with me and I understand that. That there's areas in my life that I lack restraint. And this young man 
He was a son. He went away. He threw his livelihood away in prodigal living. He lacked restraint, but at no point was he not his father's son. And and we're going to take a, a look at this, and and I personally believe this is the believer's battle. This is the believer's struggle. How do we walk in that? How do we walk in the Word of God? How do we walk with our Father and come out of these things? So let's do this. The reason that we have a battle, and I, I looked into this, and I studied on this, and I preached about half of this at the prison one day, and Anthony always tells me, you need to to expound on that. Go, go deeper with it. Go wider with it. Okay, so this is the wide version. Okay, the reason that we have a problem, the reason that we have a, a, a struggle and a battle, thank you, Anthony. No dollar bills, no dollar bills. <laughs> the reason that we have a problem with this is we're three parts. Body, soul, and spirit. And I'll show you a scripture. If you turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says this. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. There's the body. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That word breath can be translated spirit. And a lot of times it is translated spirit. And man became a living soul. So you see the three parts right there. Mind, body, or, or body soul, and spirit. God created our spirits. To, now I'm going to go... Have you ever heard a pastor do this and it's going to take a, I'm going to go a real long loop, but when I get to the end, you'll go, oh, I get it. Okay, so stay with me. God created our spirits to relate to him. God created our body to relate to his creation. And God created our soul to relate to him and our his creation. Amen? Amen. If you'll just amen with me, I'm actually a Baptocostal, and if you amen, I know that you're, you're following me. So uh, the problem is that when Adam and Eve ate of the tree, God said, do not eat of the tree lest you will surely die. They ate of the tree and they died. They didn't die in their body. Their body still lived. They didn't die in their soul, their mind, their will, and their emotions. Because they were still alive. What they died in was they died in their spirit. And when, that, when we die in our spirit, we no longer relate to God correctly. Because God is spirit and He created our spirits to relate to Him. That's what our spirit to spirit. The problem is, is that when, when they died, they began to communicate and relate to God through their soul. What they understood, what they thought, what they felt, what they desired, what knowledge they had. And that's how people prior to coming to Christ and being born from above relate to God. So as they did that, the, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.6, it says, Jesus made us alive who were dread, dead in our trespasses and sins. So before we give our hearts to Christ, before we make a profession of faith in Christ, we're dead in our spirits. We are born with a dead spirit. Amen? And as we... For years, I related to God with what I knew, what I felt, my understanding from my soul because that was the only thing that was alive. My body was alive. That happened January, or, uh, October 28, 1963. My body came alive. And then I began to, to live life based on what I desired what I felt, what I understood, and what I desired. 
And for a long time, I gave those desires were king of my, of my life. So let's, let's just take a look at one of these because if we, if we could go, we could go into this, this, uh, this, this huge area. But let's just look at one thing. Let's look at the mind. Let's look at the mind for a second. Of the, in your soul, your, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So let's look at the mind. The, the, mind, the mind's motto, or the soul, listen. Let, let's, if you're taking notes, point one is the soul is selfish. Let's look at the soul. Soul is selfish. The motto of the soul is take care of number one. Me first. I'm in charge. What I want, what I desire, what I want. Only what I see, what I feel, and what I desire is what's in front of me. When we look at the mind, and, and you're going to laugh when you hear this, but some of us older saints will get it. The mind's like a supercomputer. It's better than any computer that anybody's ever invented. It's everything you've ever seen is categorized. Everything you've ever heard is categorized. Every place you've ever been is categorized. Everything you've ever experienced is all in your mind, and it's all categorized. And some of us older people will say, well, where is it at? Well, it's in there. But it's not in your conscious. It's in your subconscious. Your, your mind has categorized and seen everything that you've done, every place that you've been, everything that you've experienced, it's all in there. And your mind has, it, let's do this. You walk into a room, for, I'm going to give you some experiences that you walk into a room and you say, gosh, I've been there before. Well, you're, that's your mind, your subconscious saying, there's been 500 rooms that I've walked into and there's, there's, that are similar to this. And there are 52 that are really similar to this. And there are four that are exactly like this. And that's why people say, well, I've experienced deja vu. No, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't experience that in another life because it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. You've, your mind from your subconscious has pulled an experience and you're re, re-experiencing that and, and your mind is telling you that you've been in that place before, but you haven't. All right, let's take a conversation. Have you ever been in a conversation and... and you're, 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 let's say a meeting and you're in a meeting and you're dealing with people and, and somebody says something to you and pow, all of a sudden something inside of you wells up and, and you get, and then you blow up and you walk out and everybody looks at you and, or looks at each other and say, what came over that guy? Well, <clears throat> your mind <clears throat> is categorizing and pulling out that conversation and saying, I've been in a situation like this before and I wasn't forceful enough and because I wasn't forceful enough, I lost the conversation. And there was 500 that were real similar to this. And there was 50 that were exactly like this. And then there were four where it was, I just lost ground because of this thing. So your, your subconscious pulls your body and just starts, boom, and you explode and you don't even know why. Or You have a situation with either a loved one or a wife or a, a job and, and you start to experience insecurity. Well, that insecurity comes from your soul. It's your, your mind is telling you that you're in a situation that was similar to this. 
sort of kind of similar, real similar, and very similar and exact. And, then, and, and when you're in that situation, your mind tells you, I lost this last argument or I lost this last deal. So your subconscious tells you, get, you better do something different. And that's where insecurity comes from. Let's, let's, fear, spirit, it, it's, it's all right in your subconscious. And as it comes forward, that, all right, let's, this is the easiest one for me to understand. You go in, my wife and I walk out, we've been married 32 years, and she's constantly introducing me to people, and I never remember their names. Amen? It's in my subconscious, but <laughs> I'll remember it like, it, it, it's on the tip of my tongue. No, it's in my subconscious. And then about 12 o'clock at night when I'm getting ready to go to Bob, his name's Bob. I, yeah, there it is. It's, it's Bob. Well, have you ever, my wife and I walk out of church. This is scenarios happened over and over again. You walk out of church or you walk out of Publix and, and she goes, oh, Tim, let me introduce you to Bob and Betty. Betty's in my Bible study and this is her husband, Bob. And I shake Bob's hand and, and uh, walk away and look at my wife and I say, you know, I don't like that fellow. And she goes, you just met him. But in my subconscious, I've met 400 guys that were like him. And I met 50 guys that were real similar to him. And I met four guys that were exactly like him. And one of them pulled my pants down in gym. Amen? And because of that, I experienced this thing in my soul where I have this insecurity and I have this fear and I have this feeling that I've experienced it before, but I haven't. It's in my subconscious because my soul is running the show. And because my soul is running the show and it's selfish, what does it tell me? It tells me number one, protect number one, take care of number one. If I don't do it, who will? Amen? And God, listen, and God never intended to us to live our lives as Christians with our soul in charge. That's how lust happens. Your mind is categorized. Lust. Men, if you have an issue with lust, your mind has categorized and, and photographed every perverse thing you've ever looked at. And something will happen in your day where you'll bump into somebody or see something that sparks your subconscious, and before you know it, you're, you're battling lust. Why? Because in your soul, you've experienced it somewhere before. But watch this. This is... That's that's how people. And if you've been around the church for a while, you'll you'll have you ever just. I had a pastor for eleven years. He's the man that ordained me into the ministry. And I get a phone call one day and said, "I always like these phone calls. Did you hear? <laughs> you know, there's three forms of communication in the church: telephone, television, and tell another Christian." And I you get the phone call, and he says. Um, did you hear about pastor so-and-so? No. Well, he left with the secretary. And, a, and, and if you've been around church long enough, you'll know that there are times that Christians do things that are uncharacteristically different than the person that you actually know, and you think, how in the world could that person have done that? It's because their soul is in charge, and the soul is selfish, and the soul desires things, and because it desires things, it takes us to places that we don't want to go, keeps us longer than we want to be there, and it costs us more than we think that it should. But see, here, here's the, this is the difference. And this is, if you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this. Your spirit is saved. 
your spirit, when you come to Jesus Christ and profess him as Lord and Savior of your life, your spirit is saved. Your, your, your soul is a work in progress. Most people don't understand. Listen, this is, the, this is where you have either you have grace or you have works. And, and most people don't understand this, but your soul is, your spirit is saved. But most people don't understand, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> the finished work. As this is what I want you to hear. The most, most people don't understand the finished work of grace in your spirit and the progressive work of grace in your soul. Because your soul in Scripture is saved at the moment that you ask Jesus Christ into your life. You are saved, seated in the heavenlies. But your soul is in the process of being perfected. Somebody said it earlier today, Philippians 1.6, I am confident in this one thing, that he who has begun a good work in me will continue to perfect it until the day of my salvation. Well, he's not talking about your spirit because your spirit is saved. But he's talking about your soul. Your soul is continually being perfected from glory to glory. But there's two schools of, of thought on this. I've been to churches, and, and my prison ministry or the prison ministry that I belong to is non-denominational, interdenominational. I don't believe that the gifts have passed away. I believe that God is the same today as he was yesterday. I believe that, that the, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is something that a believer needs, and if they don't have it, they're going to live a very defeated life. But I've been in, in a lot of different churches all, all over the world, and I, there's two camps in this thought. <clears throat> One is the grace church, <clears throat> and I've heard pastors actually preach from the pulpit grace so much that they're almost promoting unrighteous living. And then there's, on the other hand, I've gone to churches that, that all wear ties and all read out of the one Bible that they pick is the one that is actually God's Word. <clears throat> Excuse me. And their works mentality. And the works are so strong that, that it, it produces legalism, and legalism produces more bondage. So your soul needs to be converted. Your soul needs to come... I'm getting past myself, but your, the word uh, saved is sozo in the Greek, to make whole. So my spirit, upon profession of faith in Christ, has already been made perfect, been made whole. I am saved. My soul is being perfected. And there's a lot of Scripture that throws a lot of people off on this, but he's not talking about being saved, lost, saved, lost, because that theology doesn't stand up to the Word of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to the second page. And, and listen, I'm going to tell you this. If you have a works mentality, I feel sorry for you. I really do because I can't tell you. I tried. I'll never forget. I, I, I was five years sober. I'm a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. God delivered me from all that stuff. But at five years sober, I, was, I, was, um, I, I thought, okay, now it's time to be perfect. So I took out a piece of paper, a legal piece of paper, and I wrote down all the things I was going to not do any longer. 
I wasn't going to cuss anymore. I wasn't going to look at things I shouldn't. I wasn't going to watch things I shouldn't. I wasn't going to get angry anymore. I wasn't going to be, uh, I wasn't going to curse. I, you know, all the, and then on the other side of the paper, I said I was going to do all of these things. I was going to tithe more. I was going to read my Bible more. I was going to pray more. I was going to fast. I was going to do all of these wonderful things for God. And that was on the 1st of January. And by the 20th of January, I'll never forget it. I was on the side of my bed. My wife was working nights and I was working days. It was about 7 o'clock at night. She was at work. No one in the house. It was um, uh, BK before kids and when we, when we had a life and you could talk. And, <clears throat> and I was on my knees next to my bed on the 21st of the month. And I was weeping like a little baby because I had done everything I said I wasn't going to do and not had heard, adhered to any of the things that I said I was going to do. And I, I, I said over and over and over again, Lord, I'm sorry. I wish I was different. I wish I was different. I wish I was different. I'm sorry for the person that I am. I wish I was different. I know that I'm disappointing to you. I wish I was different. I know that I've let you down again. I wish I was different. And the Holy Spirit, and I was, I, <laughs> I was taught when I was a kid that men don't cry. My dad was an ex-Marine Corps gunny sergeant, and I joined the Army at 17 and got tattoos and 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 tried to be a manly man. And when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, all I do anymore when the Holy Spirit touches me is I cry. I just, I'm, a, I'm like a faucet. So anyway, I'm next to my bed. I'm weeping. I'm saying, Lord, I wish I was different. I wish I was different. And I got to the end of myself. And if anybody that has kids, remember when they, like they stub their toe and they run out of crying and they do this, that. <laughs> well, I was next to my bed doing that. And I had run out of things to say to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, son, clearly, he said to me, he said, son, I love you for who you actually are, not who you pretend to be, not who you want to be, not who you think I want you to be, not who you want other people to think you are, but I love you and see you nakedly before me just the way you are. And I love you and accept you just that way. And it was the first time in my life that I had experienced something in the spirit that superseded my soul. And it was the first time in my life that I was okay to be in my own skin. And for so long, I had tried. And so, and I fall back into it. And, and as believers, we do that. We fall back into this works mentality. I had a good day. God loves me. I had a bad day. Wow, I better watch out. You know, I better stay inside because if it lightnings, I might be the one catching the first bolt. And we do that because what happens at that point is our soul is speaking to us. Our mind, our will, and our emotions is telling us that's how God deals with us. And He doesn't. He deals with, with us in the Spirit. And His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our... As, they're, they're, they're different. It's a spirit thing. When our spirits are, 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 are in tune with God, it's a, it's a completely different thing. So if your works mentality, brother, I feel sorry for you because you'll never make it. Amen? <clears throat> I'm getting to the, the good stuff here. <clears throat> so number one, the soul is selfish. Number two, the soul must submit to the Spirit. Romans 9.12, this is a principle that God uses throughout Scripture. And it's talking about Jacob and Esau. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there real quick. But it's Romans uh, 9.12. It's really quick, so I'll read it to you. <clears throat> the premise is, and the Scripture says, the older shall serve the younger. It's a principle that God's He's talking about Jacob and Esau, but it's a principle that God uses throughout Scripture. The older shall serve the younger. What do I mean by that? I was 24 
When I gave my heart to Christ, I was in an 8 by 12 cell with 18 warrants out from my arrest and violation of parole. I, was, I had a stolen car outside. I was in an 8 by 12 padded cell, and, and I was looking at probably five to seven years for the, I don't even remember. I used People say, how many times were you arrested? I said, I don't remember. I was a blackout drinker, and I'm serious. I don't remember. So it was nine or eight or nine, but I was in that room, and I made that profession of faith, and when I made that profession of faith, the Spirit came alive in me. In fact, in John 3, when Jesus is having the conversation with Nicodemus, and He says to be, to be born again, it should more clearly be translated born from above. You see, my soul was in charge, my mind, my will, and my emotions <clears throat> for 24 years. And I gave my soul whatever it desired. Amen? Drugs, alcohol, uh, sex, food, anything that it wanted, it got. And January 13th, 1988, in an 8x12 cell, I got on my face before God and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. And at that point, the Bible tells me that I was born from above. That I was born again. <clears throat> and when that happened, something came alive in me that wasn't alive before. That was my salvation experience, and I'll never forget it. And it changed me. And then what happened was, is my spirit came alive, and my spirit came alive and said to my soul, hey, guess what? We got a new thing. And my spirit said, I like this. I'm having fun with that. God's cool. This is great, and I no longer feel the condemnation that I used to feel. And, and, and I, I, hey, I know what we'll do. Spirit... This is what we're going to do, Spirit. Spirit, you're going to run the show. And my soul, being the kind, gentle, sweet person that it was, said, not without a fight, pal. And therein lies the believer's battle. Because that was the point at which I was born again. And when I was born again, my spirit came alive. My spirit wanted to live for God, walk with God, do things God's way. <clears throat> and I would tell my soul, no, we're not going to punch that guy. No, we're not going to, you got depressed, so no, we're not going to drink. You, well, I, I don't feel right, so I'm, no, I'm not going to get high today. That, that, those things would come up and my soul would say, well, that's how we've been doing it. And the spirit, the younger will rule over the older and the spirit would say, no, we're going to do it God's way. And therein lied my battle because for 24 years, my soul had been in charge. My mind, my will, and my emotions. And it wanted whatever it wanted and it got whatever it wanted. And all of a sudden, now I'm walking for Jesus Christ and living for Jesus Christ. And the spirit that lived inside of me said, no, this is how we're going to live. We're going to turn the other cheek. We're not going to punch the guy. Amen? And, and, and I, I used to say to anyone that would listen, what, what do I do? How do I get victory in this area? And the simple fact was is that my soul had to learn, or I had to learn how to make my soul submit to my spirit. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 31, verse 2. <clears throat> this is David speaking. Listen to what he says. <clears throat> David understood this. David also said one time, he said, he said to himself, he said, why, soul, why are you downcast within me? He would, he, his spirit man would talk to his soul man and encourage his, his, his spirit man would encourage the soul. But watch what he says to this. He's talking about this battle right here. Psalm 31, verse 2. 
Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. David understood this principle. And he says, my soul is like a child and it needs to be weaned. Moms, what happens when you wean a child? They throw a fit. They begin to cry and they begin to, to fight and they begin to uh, terrorize you, for lack of a better word. Why? Because they think you're trying to kill you. You're, you're taking away that child's only source of food. You're weaning it from the source of food that it has, so it automatically thinks that it's, it's being killed. And because it thinks it's being killed, it throws a fit. In the case of the soul, that's exactly what needs to happen. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinthians, and he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to cardinal carnal as babes in Christ I fed you with milk and not solid food it was prevalent in the church back then it's prevalent in the church now okay all right this is the main crux of where I wanted to go if you have Hebrew or turn to Hebrews Hebrews chapter 4 and chapter 5 we're going to bounce around in there for just a few minutes and I don't know how long do I have Till <laughs> well, he'll, he'll, he'll Anthony will tell you if I get going, it's hard to stop. And at the prison, they have recall and stuff, so I don't have the opportunity to just keep going. <laughs> they want to count the guys and make sure no one's escaping and stuff. <clears throat> so that brings me to the third point: the soul must die. If I'm going to truly live for Christ, a victorious Christian life, my soul must die. I need to die to self. It's all throughout Christian theology. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. All right. Well, look at cha uh, uh, Hebrews chapter uh, five. I want to. This is. Listen to this. For though by this time. You ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, whom by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And he's talking to these people and he's saying, listen, I want to talk to you about spiritual things, but I can't because you're not spiritual, you're carnal. You're not acting out of your spirit and allowing your spirit to run the show. You're acting carnal and you're into sexual immorality. You're into all kinds of different things in this church. And because you're into it, <clears throat> I can't feed you solid food. I can't give. There's a progression in faith. How many of y'all know that? It's throughout scripture, milk, bread, meat. And he's, he's addressing that right now. He's saying, you guys are not even ready for bread. You're still on milk. And by this time, you ought to be teachers. How many of us that are walking around in the church today, in today's church, have gotten so comfortable that we're, we're walking around as, as babes in Christ and we're still wearing spiritual diapers? If my daughter 
was twenty as twenty she's twenty five and if she was still wearing diapers, there'd be a problem. If she came in here and I checked her into the children's church, you guys would look at me cross eyed. Why? Because she should be grown up at this time. And the Bible's talking about this very issue. And how many Christians I know that walk around defeated, <laughs> depressed, unfruitful, not 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 stepping into their calling. I mean, when we get born again, the Lord gives us a vision of where we should go, what we should do, who we're to become. It's that spiritual birth that brings forth that, that knowledge that God has something more for me to do. And it, may, and it looks different for everyone. But if 20 years or 10 or 15 or 30 years later, we're still allowing our soul to run the show and we're getting mad at the pastor or we're getting mad at the, the, the length of the praise and worship or we're getting mad at the songs that are chosen, we have a problem. And if we get mad over such childish things as that, how is God going to use us to change Deltona? How is God going to use us to change the people that we work with? If we're still wearing our spiritual diapers, it's what Paul's telling us, it's time to grow up. When I, was a, when I was a child, I acted as a child, and I thought as a child, and I spoke as a child. But when I, when I became a mature Christian, guess what? I put away childish things. He's not talking about the things that he's holding or touching. He's talking about things of the Spirit, that we should grow up. I have six men, and I didn't know whether I was going to share this or not because it's, it's uh, <laughs> on tape, so you may want to pause this so that the guys... I have six guys that come over to, our, to my house every, every week, and we, we do an hour Bible study, and then we, the men separate and the women separate, and the women stay inside, and I don't know why, but we have to go out on the back porch, and we're on the back porch, and... I want to talk with them about a few things. What are, what are you struggling with? What sin issues are in your life? And what can we pray about? And it's amazing. I've had the same group of guys for eight years. And it's amazing that they still have the same problems they had eight years ago. And I'm talking about two engineers, two business owners, and a, and a pilot. And, these guys, and, and it comes back to, okay, let me ask you one question. How much time are you spending in God's Word? Too busy. I come to church for that. If you come to church one time a week to get fed the Word of God, you're in trouble. Your soul is going to be in charge more than your spirit's in charge. That's just a side note. Okay, so the last one. Number three, the soul must die. We need to die to self. All right, I've already done that. So, But let me, let me go this way. Watch this in Matthew Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. I got all my orange things in here. <clears throat> then Jesus says to his disciples, let me, then Jesus said to his disciples, not passerbys, not uh, the church folk, his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. That word save is, is in the Greek means to protect. If we protect our life or our soul, we're going to lose it. But if they lose their soul for my sake, 
they'll find the life that they were always looking for. So not only that, but if you go to Luke chapter 9, this is Jesus talking again. This is the one that got me really. 9.23, then Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So Jesus is really clear when he's talking to his disciples. Listen, if you want to follow after me, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, your soul, your, your wants, your desires, your, your, your flesh. I, there's a million different ways that we call it. And pick up your cross and follow me. The cross was an instrument of death. And then Paul goes a, a step further. He says, I die daily. Does that mean that Paul got saved every day? No, it means that he got up every day and made a conscious decision to let his spirit rule instead of his flesh. That he seeked after God through his spirit and not his flesh. That, that when things came up in his day, and I mean, Paul had a, the, there's a couple times he had some really bad days. And he had to make a decision, was he going to follow his spirit or was he going to follow his soul? And he said, if I'm mature in Christ, I'm going to follow my spirit. If I'm not mature in Christ, I'm going to let my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions handle this situation. You know, the Bible says that we've been crucified with Christ and His only I who live, but Christ who lives within me. What do you do with a dead person? You bury him. Some of us do this. We go through our day, somebody cuts us off in traffic, or somebody has 11 items in the 10-aisle checkout. I've counted. I, I, I don't know if you have, but I, there's been days that I've counted. It's like, that lady has got 12. Does she not know who's behind? I mean, she's got 12. Amen? So, All right. <clears throat> so when she's got 12 items and I'm in a hurry, and she doesn't realize who she's standing in front of, what I do a lot of times is I get out my shovel, and I go back and I dig up the old man so that I can introduce her him to her so that the old man can tell her about herself. Amen? Some of us need to throw away our shovel and quit digging that old person up because we don't walk by the flesh anymore. We walk by the Spirit. If I'm mature in my walk with Christ, that's what I'm going to be doing. And some of us have been... Listen, that's, that's where a stronghold comes in. Stronghold isn't in your spirit. A stronghold is in your soul. <clears throat> a stronghold is in your soul, not in the spirit, because my spirit is seated in the heavenlies with Christ. It is absolutely perfect. There's nothing. It's the finished work of grace in my spirit. <clears throat> this is this is so cool. I love God's word. So every day, what's God called us to do? Every day, God's called us to pick up our cross and die daily. Romans 12. I, can, I don't even need to change, turn there. Romans 12.1. I beseech you. That means I beg you, my brothers. Present your body a living sacrifice. Your body, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service for what Christ did for us on the cross. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? The Word of God. 
My mind is washed with the word of God. And, and the sad thing is, is that there are so many people that spend more time watching football than they do watching or reading the word of God. And there's a lot of people that watch the DIY channel. Now I'm meddling. Or Facebook. Which are you feeding? Your soul or your spirit? It's amazing to me how much time people spend. In, and then I get back with my eight guys. How are you guys doing? Man, I can't. I, my butt's falling off, and I, 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 I had to pick it up and throw it in a sack and bring it here today. Well, why? Da, 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 da. Okay, how much time have you spent in the Word this week? Well, I was too busy. It's like you have two pit bulls inside of you. Whichever one you feed is going to get stronger. And I've met some people that have some big, mean pit bulls in them. I've met some Christians like that. All right? <clears throat> Renew your mind. Go back to Hebrews with me real quick. Re Hebrews chapter 4. How many times have you... I mean, the Bible says that the Word of God is alive. How many times have you picked up the Word of God, you've read it, <clears throat> and then 10 years later you read the same Scripture that you've read a 100 times? And the Holy Spirit shows you something different. That's because the Word of, Word of God is alive. And it, 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 <laughs> it's just amazing to me. It's supernatural. Something supernatural happens when people have asked me, why do you read the Word of God so much? Because something supernatural happens when I read the Word of God. Something, I, my, my spirit, I, I can feel it in my spirit. I can feel it in my countenance. I can feel it in my walk. I can feel it in my uh, connections with my wife. I can feel it. Listen, no. If I can feel it in my job because the more I feed my spirit, the stronger my spirit becomes. The more I feed my flesh, the more my flesh becomes strong. So I read this the other day and I was, I, I was like, I've never seen that before. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. And all of us know chapter 12 or verse 12. And I don't think anybody even connects verse 13. But really look at this when I, when I read this to you. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged what? Sword. Piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intense desires of the heart. And, and look at it, it says it right there, and, so there's not a period there, and there is no creature hidden under his sight, but all things are naked and open. I'm going to come back to that word in just a minute. To the eyes of him who we must give an account. The Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword able to divide between my soul and my spirit. It's able to tell me what I should do in this particular circumstance at this particular time so that I can follow Christ and be a disciple of His. And it says, no, don't behave like that. Speak a soft word because a soft word turns away wrath. Don't, uh, don't introduce them to the guy who's dead. Introduce them to Jesus. 
And we're doing one of the two things each time we interact with anybody. But watch what it says here. It says, The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, able to divide between the thought, the soul, and the spirit. And there is no creature hidden from Him, from His sight, talking about Father God, but all things are naked and open. That word open in the Greek is translated trachilizo. Two words meaning one. Trach, we get a lot of words. It, it, they're, they're easy to understand in like pneumos, pneumatic, air, driven by air. Um, uh, I, there's a bunch of, okay, anyway. Open, the word open means trachilizo in the Greek. Trache, we all can probably guess what that means. Trachea, your windpipe. But this is the second part of the word is where it goes wrong. Lizo. Lizo in the Greek means to take the head of an enemy, bend it back, exposing the gullet for that person to be killed. And what do we call the Word of God? The sword of the Spirit. So the Word of God is able to, to open us up and... and and this, so this is what God has planned for you. To take your head, put it back, and slit your throat. Trachelizo, open. God has big plans for your soul. He wants to kill it. Why? Because I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And then he's got big plans for your soul. So what he wants to do is he wants to use the Word of God to kill your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. He wants you to be conformed to the image of Christ. And as I was, you know, and, and I, I mean, there's, I could go on and on and on with Scripture because this is a, this is a premise and a, a foundational principle of the Christian walk, that we must die, that Christ may walk in us, that He may become alive in us. John said it, He must increase and I must decrease. And, and as I do that, as I'm in the Word of God, as I allow the Word of God to wash over me, listen, I know a lot of Christians that, that I walk into their house and they have their Bible sitting in a prominent place, but there's dust on it. And I started to... The reason, any time that I ever preach, it's always what God's doing in my life. And, and these last two years, I, I just will tell you, have been pure hell. I mean, there's things happening that I, I just, not to mention, uh, what is that, uh, COVID, and work, no inventory. Uh, my mom got sick and died. Boom. Um, uncle dies, my best friend dies. I mean, people are dropping like flies and, and my wife gets aneurysms in her brain of all things and's had nine operations. My daughter's been having troubles with stuff and it's just been one thing after another. And I started to get back into the old man. I started to be prodigal, lacking restraint in some of the areas that I had victory in before. Ever happen? And I started to ask the Lord, Lord, what is going on? And being the gracious person that he is, he said, read your word. In fact, go to Revelation chapter 2, and I did. And I opened up the word of God, and in Revelation chapter 2, the Bible's 
I'll just read it to you. The, 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 the word of the Lord is coming to the church at Ephesus. And he says to him something we've probably heard over and over again. But here's what he says. And to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These things says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they're apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you are you have preserved and have patience and have labored in my name's sake and have not become weary. Now listen, in the church we can get labeled as an evangelist or as a praise and worship leader and, and we can put that mantle on and put that title on and we can walk around in it, but God knows whether you're walking in it or whether you're walking under it. Huge difference. So I can get invited to a church and I can be accolades out the wazoo because I've had the opportunity to go all over the worlds and preach and, and, and share the gospel with many people, but if I'm not walking in my calling, I'm walking under it. So I have the title, but there's vacancy inside. Amen? And he says to him, watch this. He says, you've done all of these things, and it's been wonderful, and I can't believe all those wonderful things you've done. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. And I said, Lord, <laughs> I know why I'm empty. I know why I'm struggling. I know why I feel like my butt's falling off, and I, and I, I, I know why I'm uh, angry again. That's a stronghold for me. When I'm reacting in anger, I'm not walking in the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Anthony worked with me for enough years to, to know that, and that's just something from my past. And in the Spirit, it ought not be there. I ought to walk in gentleness, kindness, meekness, long-suffering, patience. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. And the Lord said to me, son, you've left your first love. I said, Lord, I'm still preaching. I'm still going to church. I'm still giving. He said, Tim, examine yourself. You've left your first love. And I prayed about it for a couple days, and then the Lord reminded me. <laughs> I had a little pocket Bible. Now, you may not have been forgiven what I've been forgiven, but I shouldn't be in prison. I should be under the prison. The grace of God is manifest to me in that I, 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 I'm free. I'm sober. I have a wife. I have two beautiful daughters. I'm, I'm free. I'm not on paper. I'm not robbing stores or banks or people. And I'm free. And God has not only made me free, but he's blessed me. And so I'm doing all the things on the outside. I'm showing up for work. I'm doing everything that everybody expects me to because I'm under the mantle. <laughs> but he said, you've left your first love. And he reminded me of this pocket Bible. When I first got saved, I went nowhere nowhere without my Bible. And I didn't have a free moment that I wasn't in it. I devoured the Word of God. I had it written on my hand. 
The Bible says stand on the Word of God. I'd write it down and put it in my shoe. I had Isaiah 54, 17 in my show. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And I stood on the Word because the Bible says stand on it. Duh. <laughs> I remember in my early walk going to a guy's house when no one was watching. It was a pool party, and I'm at a Christian place, and when no one was watching, I honestly tried to walk on the pool. Amen. <laughs> I mean, some of y'all might, but I thought I could do it. Why? Because guess what? The Word of God was not, it wasn't, it was this far from me at all times. And I didn't read it because I had to read it. I read it because I desired it. Because God had birthed something in me in the spirit that I wanted to grow. And as it grew, something transformed in my life. And it only if you've, if you've experienced the born, being born again, you understand what I'm talking about. I, I had a hunger, a ravenous hunger for the Word of God. And it began to change me. It began to change my personality. It began to manifest in my spirit and come out of my behavior. And I'm not talking about reading the Word of God for behavior modification. I'm talking about reading the Word of God so that your flesh can die and the Spirit of God can live in you. So that you can be exactly what Jesus said. You can be a reflection of Him in your workplace. A reflection of Him in your home. A reflection to your wife. A reflection to your husband. A reflection of Jesus Christ to your boss. A reflection to that lady who's got 12 items. A reflection to that person who cuts you off on I-4. That's a hard spot for me in traffic, brother. Amen? And God reminded me how much time I spent in the Word of God before and how grateful I was just to have a freaking pocket Bible. I don't know if that's that's King James, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and the joy... I had never known joy before. The joy of watching the, the, the God of all creation slow down what he was doing to, 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 to raise me up in the spirit. Because in that, I found what I was always looking for at the bottom of a bottle, at the end of a needle, at the, at the end of a pipe, and in, in a bed. And I found it in the person of Jesus Christ. And he said, son, you've left your first love. But Lord, I'm doing all this stuff. He said, but son, I, I don't care what you're doing. When's the last time you sat down and read the Word of God so you and I could just converse? Not so that you could preach it. Not so that you could teach it. Not so that you could look smart. But when's the last time you just sat down and read the Word of God so we could fellowship spirit to spirit? And you allow me to... to, to Ruach over me. And I know this. This is such a minor portion of my walk with Christ that the major portion of what I do with my relationship to Jesus Christ is when you guys aren't watching. That's where the Spirit is. And guys, I tell you, if you haven't noticed, things are going crazy. Step, it's, it's just weird. Right is wrong and wrong is right. White is black and black is white. 
the things of the gospel are, 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 we're being marginalized that we're idiots and that we're fanatics. <laughs> and, and, and listen, Jesus said that in the end times, in the end times, in the end times, people will not adhere to sound doctrines. But they'll heap up fables for themselves, and they'll 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 be uh, directed and, and drawn away by perverse spirits. That's why the Bible says to take to test every spirit to see if that spirit is of God. I can't do that unless I'm in the Word. I can't be the the husband to my wife unless I'm in the Word. I can't be the father to my children unless I'm in the Word. I can't be the disciple of God that I claim to be that I want you to think I am unless I'm in the Word. Unless I learn how to kill my flesh, my desires, my wants. my Now, there's a godly desire and godly hopes and godly things that He places in you. I'll never forget this. And, and my wife and I were going through videos the other night and, and uh, my dad, and just real quick synopsis, my dad was an ex-Marine Corps gunny sergeant, alcoholic, uh, violent man. He was a boxer in the Marine Corps, um, and he taught me that men fight, drink, chase women, and get tattoos and and join the service. And if you don't do that, you're a sissy. And church is for punks and old people and weak-minded people. And I almost died behind that. I almost died in the street on January 13, 1988. I woke up that morning with the full intentions of blowing my brains out. I had a three-inch Magnum shotgun shell, went to a guy's house to borrow his shotgun. I was going to take my life. And I got there and I asked him for it. And he said, I'd loan it to you, but I pawned the gun yesterday. And I was like, I can't even do this. And that afternoon, by the mercy and grace of God, I ended up in an 8 by 12 cell in a psychiatric ward in Eustace. So with a broken nose and two black eyes and a broken hand and a stolen car across the street that I stole to get there because I had to get there, and 18 warrants out for my arrest, I got on my face before God and I said, Lord, if you'll have something to do with a man like me, I, I can't do this anymore. Will you save me? And he saved me. And I was born again. I was born from above. The Spirit of God came to reside in me. And I know, listen, those of us who have been born again know what I'm talking about. It changed me. It changed the essence of who I was and what I desired. For 14 and a half years, I would minister to my dad. And for 14 and a half years, my dad would tell me to stick it. And as a Marine Corps gunny sergeant, he would use adjectives that are not good for church. And for 14 and a half years, every morning and every night, I would go to the Father and I would say, Father, your word says it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And my righteousness isn't because I'm a good guy. My righteousness comes from my faith in Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I'm coming before you and asking you to save my dad. And I prayed that every day, every morning, and every night for 14 and a half years. And something happened. There was a death in my family. My sister-in-law committed suicide. My brother's a very wealthy guy, and he doesn't know Christ. And her soul tried to deliver and 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 live through a, some stuff that they had done, and and she wasn't able to do it, and she committed suicide. And at the funeral dinner that night, my dad leaned over. He never called me by my name. He always called me boy. He leaned over and he said, "Boy, I want you to baptize me." And I said, "Dad, <laughs> don't bring it up here because every time I bring it up, you tell me where to fit the cross, and it doesn't fit there, Dad." 
And every time that you ask me to, I talk to you about the things of God, you, you belittle my God, you belittle my faith and, and you blaspheme my God. So don't bring it up. He goes, no, I want you to baptize me. I said, dad, baptism is an outward profession of inward faith. You don't get baptized because you want to put on a show. You get baptized to show the body of Christ that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And until you've done that, go take a bath because that's all it'll do for you. And he said, no, well, I've done that. I said, you did what? You took a bath? And he goes, no, last night I got on my face before God in my living room. And I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. He said, I've been watching you for 14 and a half years. And I want what you got. And I got to baptize my dad in my backyard in a little redneck pool. I bought it specifically for that. It's one of those you inflate the ring and fill it up with water and it rises. <laughs> hey, that's a pool for me. And uh, now I've got one of them in the ground pools. But we bought that pool and I baptized my dad and I watched it the other night with my wife and it was on video and, and uh, I said, Dad, upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you, my brother. And my dad was, this is my dad. And I've baptized probably over 100 people in, in countries all over the world. My dad wouldn't allow me to push, put him back. He, made, he went face first. <laughs> Only baptism I've ever done where he went, he went head first. So, and I did hold him under extra for all the stuff he did to me. But anyway, and when I let him up, this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, see, son, delight yourself in the Lord, and I will give you the desires of your heart. But son, I want to show you something. Since you've been walking with me, I've changed the desires of your heart from the things of the flesh to the things of the kingdom. And because you desire the things of the kingdom, your dad today has given his heart to Christ. And I wonder how many people, I don't know what we've done in the church, but I wonder how many people we walk next to every day that are lost and hurting and empty and on their way to hell. And we have the message of reconciliation. God has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation, as though he were reconciling a lost generation unto himself through us. He could have done it any way he wanted to, but he took old tattooed up, gnarly, knuckle-headed, caveman, knuckle-dragon idiots, poured his spirit into us, set us out for the world to see his glory, and we keep our mouth shut as the people around us are secretly suffering. And we have the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. And he loved us so much that while I was yet a sinner, he looked into the future and said, that boy will never make it if I don't make it to the cross. And he set his face towards Jerusalem. And he didn't allow anything to stop him from his destiny, which was the cross, so that I could be saved. People have told me over and over again, well, Jesus went to the cross so I wouldn't have to. That's not what Scripture says. Jesus went to the cross so that I could go to the cross daily. And I could die. And the mystery of me being able to turn a soft word 
Me being able to be faithful to my wife for 32 years. Me being able to have a job for 30 years. Me being able to support eight ministries. <laughs> Me give away money so that he could be glorified. Because listen, the time is short. I turned 58 two days ago and my mortality is, I have trouble getting out of a chair. <laughs> Amen. I'm not as young as I used to be. Some of y'all laughing at me, you're a punk, you young kid. <laughs> but I, the simple fact is, is that Christ is coming. And there's people that are around us every single day, family members. Well, here's what the enemy does. The enemy says, you're not educated enough. Well, you're not like him. I don't have, that's not my personality. I don't have that anointing for the charismatic people. Um, I, I'm not learned enough. I don't want to say the wrong thing. <laughs> the simple fact is, is that every one of us that have given our lives to Jesus Christ have a testimony. What I was like before, that I met Jesus Christ and what my life is like now. And people are dying to know that. And we have that message. And yet our fear, our flesh, our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions keep us from doing it. I can't tell you how many people laugh at those guys that are standing on the street corners with their microphone and their signs. They're brave. Our life should be like that with everyone that we come in contact with. God has given us an opportunity to lead those folks out of a, a, a depressing, dark day. You remember what life was like without Christ? Do you? Do you remember that? I do. And I want other people to know that. That's why I go to prisons. I don't go because there's there's money in it. I, haven't for, I mean, there's if I pass the plate there, I'll get some Jolly Ranchers and a Rolling Papers and and maybe a shank or something, but there's no money in prison. I, I go because I don't want people to not experience what I have. Jesus Christ, listen, I understand the grace of God. I shouldn't be forgiven for the things that I've done. But Jesus Christ is perfect. <laughs> he saved me to the uttermost. And what I want to do for the remaining time that I have on this earth is I want to walk boldly for God. I want to read His Word and allow His Word to separate between my soul and my spirit. I want to be on the front line. And those people that I come in contact with on a daily basis, I want to tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. You may be the only one that does. And I want to be faithful. And I'm not doing it because of the works aspect of it or so that Jesus can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. If I get to sweep the floors in heaven, I'll be happy. I want to do it because the spirit in me has to move. God didn't create ponds. He created lakes where rivers run into and then run out of. He told the woman at the well, and, and listen, I think it's time that we challenge ourselves once again to get back to the basic things of God, to get into the Word, to pray, to humble ourselves, to seek His face, to fast, 
to deny ourselves and to let that shine in our communities, in our houses, at our jobs, so that those people who don't know Jesus Christ say, what is it? And then let us be faithful. Let us be faithful to be prepared for that opportunity so that we can be that extension of Jesus Christ to a lost and hurting and perverse generation. Thank you for watching. For more information about Identity Church, visit us at identitychurch.net or come visit us on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. 777 Deltona Boulevard in Deltona, Florida. God bless.